Hi everyone, welcome to the Conscious Leaders Podcast. This is the 2021 Highlights episode, and I'm Ruth Renger, founder of Conscious Leaders. So, reflecting on 2021, it feels like another roller coaster, really, where we've been mainly indoors. And I was just re listening to the previous Highlights episode from 2020 and said how interesting and unpredictable the year had been. I don't really think 2021 has been any different. But there's been a lot of good stuff going around too and a lot of great moments for leaders to show up for their employees. And I do all my interviews face-to-face. I'm very much a people person. So being able to be back face-to-face with people has been really positive for me. But I've also enjoyed the balance too, um, enjoyed some quiet time and I've been writing a book. And I'm really determined not to return to the running around that I did pre-pandemic. This year on the podcast, it's all about finding more great leaders who are willing to step up for their employees. They've been really willing to show the human side of what they do, the highs and the lows. So they're not sharing a surface layer version, but a deeper one. And as listeners, you've told me you want to know what their journey has really been like and how they've supported their employees while also running commercially successful businesses. So kind of balancing the hard and the soft. What I've really noticed this year is the raw honesty that some of the leaders have demonstrated. So the extent to which they've been able to be vulnerable. And this year has been the second major year of the COVID-19 pandemic. So that's going to pop up too. I'll first turn to Guy Singh Watson. He's founder of Riverford, the UK-wide fruit and veg box company. Now they have 1,000 co-owners. And I say co-owners instead of staff because they moved to an employee ownership model. And as part of their transition, he shared how his own discoveries about where the historic issues lay. The worst behaviour I've observed in the last five years has always been in the boardroom. Most senior. Yeah, yeah, it is. And and we actually employed a coach as part of the process uh, um, to become more enlightened in our management. Because it is as much as those, as much as the finance, you know, of, of ownership and as much as the structures is, the culture is every bit as important and we did have some real issues to deal with mm. so the soft uh, was as important as the hard <clears throat> definitely yeah and we 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 employed a coach who was absolutely um brilliant at addressing those and uh you know and i have to say i i thought all the problems were in middle management um you know that's where i saw the bad practice being acted out and the disrespect and so on uh, but I was, you know, I, I was, it was pretty humbling. Uh, it actually started with me, uh, you know, and I had to really look at some of my own behaviours, what I considered to be being a kind of um, idiosyncratic, syncratic, enigmatic entrepreneur was actually bullying sometimes. Yeah, you know, when I got bored or frustrated at how long a meeting was going on, my behaviour looked at from another point of view was could be seen as bullying. And sure enough, other directors started behaving in the same way. And, and looking back on it, it's actually, it's, it's a very humbling experience. And, and other people within the business thought we were a bunch of twats. I mean, they really did. It's embarrassing looking back on it. They were laughing at us, actually. You know, both frustrated and laughing. We were behaving in a way which was very laughable. There were a couple of women in the room, but they tended to stay quiet. It was very laddie, very macho, and um, you know, and pretty hideous actually. But I mean, but we turned it. We did really turn it around quite quickly, and uh, you know, and actually, I've really enjoyed that that process of learning. And I was going to say it's quite a self awareness journey, like how 
Yeah. How was that for you? Yeah, I think everyone was quite surprised by how quickly I changed. Well, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it and, and learned stuff that I can apply at home with my family as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and I think everyone was surprised by how quickly I changed and, and, and what effect that had on other people. And I don't know, one of the first things was, you know, because often I knew when I'd been a bully, I sort of did at some level know that I behaved badly and was to recognise it and apologise quickly and publicly. That was the first kind of lesson the coach taught me. That seems like such a key change to his own behaviour that Guy made, and it had such a huge waterfall effect on everyone else. Now on to my next guest, who I think has really been in the thick of it during this pandemic, right in the action. She's CEO of Rothamsted Enterprises, Nicole Saad. And I say so because they run events, offices and conferences. So besides the very front line, this is a major, really challenging environment in this pandemic. And I really wanted to share what it's really been like. And she describes her roller coaster through the whole of this, this kind of period. And we were discussing the habits of supporting staff through this. We have a check-in. So when we have our senior team uh, meetings, we're like, how are you doing? Part of our agenda, I wish I'd shown you today, is personal check-in how are you showing up for this meeting and during the the zoom stuff and off-site and home working everyone's like yeah yeah fine but you can't sense that body check-in and that "Mm, how are you really doing Mm. so i don't usually accept yeah i'm fine it's like no no rubbish how are you really doing so um yeah it's important to sense check with your people and be true about it and i guess because there's been so many ups and downs for for you and the team through the pandemic um like, how was that for you to, like, sort of one-on-one to check in with people? Was that something you were aware of? Mm-hmm. If the People were in so many different circumstances, weren't they? Some yeah. had the best life, some had the worst life now with maybe young children at home or something very difficult. Yeah, like, like all, all of mine are different. All of them coped in different ways. All of them had different circumstances. So it was about, we have one-to-one check-ins every week, um, if not every two weeks, for a good hour. And some days, you know, we just chat. And some days it was actually, you know, we have some business to do. Um, there was there was a lot going on. So there was a definitely a blend. But there was some days that you'd pick up the team's call or and say, oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, can we talk about that? And then suddenly, an hour and a half later, we might have just been totally off tangent. But we needed to talk because, you know, it evolved. And that was okay too. Mm. Um, I was back in, we were permitted by government actually because we were science and research to continue with the science. And our tenants were on site. So... We were lucky that we had a lot of the time we were able to come in on site, um, socially distance. And I think that helped because actually sometimes, like I said, you you need to check in with the body language. Mm. And uh, there's something about when you see someone's face to face. Yeah. It's vocabulary. It's it's all of that. You can feel it. I can feel it when there something's wrong. I asked her about how they digested all of that learning from the pandemic and how they move forward. So how they did that as a team, as well as how she felt she could show up amidst a huge amount of financial strain that they were under. I try and do a debrief any every year, um, just to kind of put things to bed. And there was some really good stuff that happened. I, I felt that there was some really good stuff and there's things that I didn't do particularly well. So for instance, um, you know, you saw all these leaders having Zoom parties or sending gifts to their team. And, you know, I, I, I couldn't do that. I, I I, I felt like a bit of a failure at that point because there was all these other businesses being really positive and when you're fighting for survival you 
you have to just go into survival mode and everything else gets blocked out. So we had this debrief and I, it was like a, it was so emotional. Um, all I asked them all to show up and to say something nice about each other and also what surprised each other about this. Um, and it was, it blew my mind away. There was complete honesty um, and it was looking at what we'd done really well and looking actually next year what we need to do more of. Um, mm. I'm not particularly fun. I am outside of work but actually as a leader I find that really difficult to embed in my culture um, because it's goal orientated and I'm and that way wired um, but I have a wonderful again my senior team member that who's very empathetic and she when I wasn't showing up at you know being my true self she would check in with the team and do that fl- you know the fluffy stuff which needed to be done um, so the zoom parties the and zoom parties yeah. and you know the zoom chats and yeah. what you know when I when I could when I could attend in the right frame of mind and be authentic, happy days, no problem. But if if things were going down that day, actually I can't show up and put a smile on face and hey guys, everything's fine mm. when it's not. They're That's not just not mm. who I am. So she was so that the debrief was fantastic. And actually my senior team again are so honest and we have a very honest relationship. It sounds like you're talking about a psychologically safe environment where you can you know, if you mess up something, then that's okay, let's just mm. learn from it. So what where would that apply, for example? For me or the team? Neither, really. I've learned to slow down a bit. So what I've learned at the moment is and decision-making. So I've pushed a project forward, for instance, and or I've overshared. So, uh, you know, I'm a great one for transparency with my team. And I've kind of looked at this last year and we were trying to keep ahead of the government guidelines and this, that and the other. And actually all I was doing is pushing ideas forward when the government weren't particularly clear, wasting mm. everyone's time and causing a, a bit of stress. And I just thought, hang on, why am I, I'm only, this is a marathon, this is not a sprint. Mm. Okay, how am I going to change this up? Well, this is, this is wrong, this is not mm. working. So I thought, hang on, I will slow down, which is totally against my grain. But mm. let me slow That's down. That's kind of what you learned. Mm. Yeah, I did, I learned that. And okay, do we have to be the first one doing this? No. Do, am I stressed, if I take my time or ask the team just to take a couple of days to run it over and come back, we had, a, we had a better idea, we had a better proposition and everyone wasn't under that undue st- stress. Mm-hmm. So we've got to slow down to speed up. Hmm, slowing down, wise words from a leader there. Now, on to a younger leader, Charlotte Williams. She's founder of influencer marketing agency 7-6. She's in her 20s, so this is all rather impressive. And I asked her about what she wanted from their culture as they move into their new physical offices. This was actually the day that we did the interview. I just want it to be safe and I want it to be happy. Like it sounds really lame, but I want people to come here and not be like, oh, I have to go to work. The idea of having that Monday dread, which we'll all get because it's like, we physically have to change our like whole routine to go into work mode, I get that. But having Monday dread because you don't want to go into work, the thought that anyone would ever have that here makes me feel sick. Like, could you imagine you hate, like, you are the person that brings sadness to someone's life because you, you're making them work. Like, that's really mm. sad. So um, I just want people to come here and be like, oh, I really love coming to this office. And I don't want to be like, you know, um, Silicon Valley where it's like you never have to leave and it's all self-containing and, you know, stay here forever. But I want it to be like... You know, I come to the office three days a week and have a good time, speak to my team, really like it, you know, get to have a few perks with 
whatever they might be now we're we're in soho and we can like connect to other businesses you know a few perks because of who we are and where we are um if i wanted to like have dinner here with my friends i can come and you know bring them mm. around so i just want everyone to feel like really comfortable it's quite homely it sounds yeah like. to be like their second home because mm. we're in like a really cool like part of london and if i was younger i would use this so hard like if i was like lynette as an example was just like 22 23 if i was in the next age i'd be like okay charlotte can't wait to get my keys and i'd literally just be here all the time i'd like invite my friends around i'd because we're gonna have like a fully stocked bar and stuff mm. i'd literally just be throwing parties here don't do that don't do it but like i would if it was me <laughs> so i want that lynette you're gonna invite me to the party <laughs> please invite me as well um but you know that's what i want i want them to feel comfortable that this is not just like this isn't charlotte's office because i've never wanted to create charlotte's business mm. this is our Mm. office our space our home clearly a heartfelt individual that really cares about people i like the way she wants to get employees to bring their friends to their second home that is the office might just pop by for that fully stocked bar my next highlight is jean baptiste oldenhove he's founder of sustainability investment company sre group and jean baptiste is really focused on service He's a friend of mine now, and I really respect his integrity and just how committed he is to serving others. My leadership style is really around uh, so being at the service of the team. Um, so it's a reverse pyramid. So if I, if I need to go and, uh, and clean an Excel sheet, I will do it. Uh, because, uh, because I think it's very important that uh, the, um, the example come from the top. And so, so you need to be able to do that. And, uh, and I counterbalance that with vision. So I, at the same time, I point my finger to the uh, to the horizon, mm. um, uh, so uh, to uh, to show where uh, where nature is, uh, because the nature is often on the horizon, and uh, so I, I I make sure that everyone keeps an eye on uh, uh, the potential for the project and, and how much uh, we can change the world, uh, even if we are tiny, and uh, and at the same time uh, in practice. Uh, I'm very much uh, every morning and every, uh, every hour at the service of uh, the people I'm uh, working with. I asked him how this plays out practically. We position ourselves as at the service of their ambition. And uh, mm-hmm. what, uh, what, what, the, the key question is really what can I do for you today? But, uh, but in, mm-hmm. a, in, a, in a, a very, not in a polite way, but, uh, but try to really, trying to really understand uh, how can you make the life of someone better. I like that question of going into each meeting with your own question of what can I do for you today with the aim of making their life better. That's really grounding, practical. Mark Cudigan, CEO of Ella's Kitchen, the baby food brand, is my final highlight from this year. I was really touched by his sharing about a personal and professional tragedy that hit him really hard. It was something that happened just like a couple of weeks before lockdown. is that my managing director, who was 48, um, she died in her sleep um, in Disneyland. uh, And she was there with her daughter. Um, And that was, you know, we'd worked together for for 10 years. She was a very close friend of mine, Um, not just a work colleague. We were really, really good friends. And that was absolutely devastating for us as a business. Um, And, you know, we... I almost made the terrible mistake. Um, so I found out I was on holiday, um, and I found out and I had to call her father. We had to try and 
we had to get her daughter back we had to try and get her body back which we couldn't because of because covid was just starting oh, wow um and i almost made a terrible mistake I, I i got back on the on the uh on the sunday and i called my senior team and i said what we're going to do is we'll get everyone together on the monday and we'll tell them together and i spoke to a friend of mine and he said you can't do that and he said you're not thinking mark you can't do that you've and I went, what do you mean? He said, you can't tell people that sort of news altogether. He was like, you, what, what do you, you know, you, know, you can't do this, basically. And on his advice, um, we then called everybody in the business um, and got hold of everybody to tell them that just devastating news and told everyone to, you know, take a few days, don't come into work. And I came into work on the Monday and everybody came in. I get quite emotional now about it. Even like everyone came in physically. Everyone came in physically, wow. including um, some people who were on holiday. Um, and it, it's just been absolutely devastating. No funeral, no memorial. Mm. Um, and it's been really, really difficult to deal with and, and putting others before yourself. And um, so that's, you know, got through it as a, as a team and got through it looking after each other. And um, I think it's when you're on really difficult times that you really see what the culture of a business is like. Mm. Um, and do you live and breathe the values? And um, I couldn't be more thankful that, that I work here and have, have gone through something like this with, with the team that we've got. But it was just, it was, it was, yeah, it was it impossible. Yeah, sounds devastating, really. Yeah, has been. And what would you say personally that you learned most through that experience? Um... I think in retrospect, um, I probably need to look after myself a bit better <laughs> um, because, you know, we talked about leadership at the beginning and, and I always worry about everybody else and looking after everybody else and I didn't really think about myself and along with my senior team, we were closest with Kath because we spent the most time with her um, and, you know, I don't want to make, about, make this about me, but, you know, I've cracked two teeth, I've like got all this stress that, that has come out which I didn't even really know or, or think about and I, I think in retrospect I should have um, spent more spent time thinking about myself which would have made me a better leader at the same time mm. so your own um, processing of your emotions yeah around that uh, but I have been very uh, you know open recently with the whole team about it because I thought you know I think to have connection with anybody um, you need to be vulnerable and you need to be honest and mm. this idea you know you mentioned it before that leaders are these sorts of superhuman beings that don't feel things um, and aren't the same as everyone else is obviously not true and you know I told everybody that I was still struggling to you know over well over a year since since she died and I'm still really struggling with it and that's okay um, and that I've cracked two teeth and through you know mm. clenching my jaw at night and I know that stress and I know what it is and you know, have dreams and I wake up crying in the middle of the night and it's so, I know what's happening. I know it's me not dealing with my feelings, but sometimes that can be difficult. And it's amazing, you know, having told everybody, so many people have then reached out and, and like offered help and gone for walks with people and chatted about stuff. So yeah, I, I think I should have done more at that at the beginning and not tried to be this super, you know, impervious person, you know, running around looking after everyone. As a leader, I asked him about how they foster fulfilment at work. Actually, I've just asked my head of keeping people happy, who's our HR director, Catherine, to do a full review of um, the studies worldwide that have been done on four-day working weeks. Mm. So I didn't realise that Iceland, the country, 
has pretty much moved to a four-day working week. Interesting. So over 90% of workers are either on a four-day week or can move to a four-day week in Iceland. And they can legally do that? They can legally do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Unilever in New Zealand have moved to a four-day working week. And I've asked her, there are many, many companies that have moved to a four-day working week and there has been an obvious benefit for the, for the workforce um, in terms of happiness and spending more time with family and friends, um, but actually productivity has increased. So I've asked her to look into, would it work? Would it not work? You know, what's the ideal? Do we try something? Mm. Um, so I don't know at the moment. She mm. may well come back and say, no, it's not possible. It could never work. And actually mm. those companies that have moved to it have gone back. Mm. Um, but channeling the, the, the uh, New Zealand lady that wrote that book, I'm just thinking, well, might, maybe it will. Um, and for me, coming out, one of the changes for me personally coming out of the pandemic, you know, as a certified B Corp, we put people, planet and profit on an equal footing. And we're now legally obliged to do that because we've changed our articles of association at companies housed in the UK to commit to that. So it's a big commitment. I would say that I now put people and planet ahead of profit. Well, that seems like a great place to end. And it's interesting that many of the conscious leaders discover that looking after people and planet does mean commercial success and that the three work in tandem. This kind of focus really drives people's motivation and engagement at work. I'm really interested in this forthcoming Ella's Kitchen research on the four-day work week. I wonder whether they'll go for it. For me, on that subject, I alluded to since the end of last year, end of 2021, I've been taking Wednesdays as a bit of a different day for me. So it could be professional development, writing, sometimes just a walk or something restful or seeing a friend. But no coaching, no facilitating training, no meetings. And I've really been pleasantly surprised with the headspace it's opened up. And this serves everyone. It's taken me a while to give myself permission to do it, but I find it really effective in the initial stages. I hope this has been useful to you, this highlights episode. And regardless of the time of year you listen, I hope it gives you some ideas about how you can practically take your leadership forward. In the meantime, please do give us a rating or review and we'd love to hear your thoughts or feel free to contact me personally. You can do so via consciousleaders.org.uk. I'm Ruth Frenger and this is the Conscious Leaders Podcast.